All right, well, if you are um, joining us maybe for the first time tonight, in our evening services, we typically walk through different aspects of the Christian faith. Um, it's a, a time where we focus on, on teaching the truth of God's Word, and we do that often through the lens of one of our confessional statements. Uh, right now, over the last number of weeks, we've been uh, doing a series through the Ten Commandments that we've called The Good Neighborhood. And we're just about at the end of that uh, series. I hope that if you've been following with it, that it's been a blessing for you. I know that for myself as a pastor, one of the things that I've realized as I've walked kind of again through the Ten Commandments, I've just realized how, how easy it can be for us um, to view Christianity strictly in terms of rules. And I'm reminded again that so many people view Christianity exactly that way. They view Christians um, simply in, th- in terms of, of things that they're not allowed to do, or maybe in terms of things that they're against. When I think the, the truth is that God wants us to be known for, for what we're for. God wants there to be something attractive and, and something winsome about the way in which we live as a gospel community. The scripture teaches us that, that we're called to be the city on a hill, this, this light that, that shines and that says, you know, there, there's a great way to live. There's a great way to live, and it is the way of Christ. And that's really what the Ten Commandments are about. They're, they're leading us and they're, they're teaching us to walk in the way of Christ. And so we're in the Ninth Commandment tonight. If you're not familiar with it, the Ninth Commandment is simply do not give false testimony against your neighbor. And if you look at that strictly at a very literal level, basically uh, you could end up in a place where you say, well, okay, that's just about lying. But I want to say tonight that it is about loving the truth. That's what God is teaching in the Ninth Commandment. He's calling us to love the truth, to be people of integrity. He, he wants the gospel community to be a place where people can be taken at their word. And he wants it to be a place where we are also very careful with our words. And that's exactly the way that you'll find uh, this commandment explained in the Heidelberg Catechism, one of our confessional statements. And so I just want to read this for you tonight. It says, uh, what is required in the ninth commandment? The answer is, I must not give false testimony against anyone. I must not twist anyone's words, not gossip or slander, nor condemn or join in condemning anyone rashly and unheard. Rather, I must avoid all lying and deceit as the devil's own works under penalty of God's heavy wrath. In court and everywhere else, I must love the truth, speak and confess it honestly, and do what I can to defend and promote my neighbor's honor and reputation. And as I read that um, explanation, I was struck again by this small phrase right in the middle, short little phrase, I must love the truth. I think that's what we're really going to talk about tonight, loving the truth. Why does it matter? Well, it matters because God loves the truth. Hebrews 6 says that it's impossible for God to lie. God is a God that loves the truth, and that's the teaching of Scripture consistently. I'm going to look at a, a number of different passages tonight as we go through this. But I want to begin by uh, reading from Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12, just a a few verses which which highlight the way that God looks with love on those who walk in the truth. An honest witness tells the truth, but a false witness tells lies. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. Deceit is in the hearts of those who plot evil, 
but those who promote peace have joy. No harm overtakes the righteous, but the wicked have their fill of trouble. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. This is the word of the Lord. All right, so um, in looking at the ninth commandment tonight, um, I decided not, into get, or not to get into too much of, of the, the specifics, so to speak, of the command as much as kind of the principle of this commandment. I want to deal really with the, with the bigger question of why. Why is truth so important to uh, the Christian community? And I want to focus on, on two reasons tonight. One is because it's, it's a, the truth is it's an expression of our love for Christ. And the second reason why I think it matters so much to the truth is that it's also an expression of our love for others. So those two things. The reason the truth matters so much is because it's an expression of our love for Christ. And then secondly, it's an expression of our love uh, for others. So as I read through that explanation from the Heidelberg Catechism, if you're not familiar with it, it it, it, it kind of starts by asserting basically what the commandment itself asserts. It says, you know, that we're not to give false testimony against anyone. But you discover that there's a lot more, and basically that's what the catechism is trying to do. It's, ex- it's explaining that biblically there's, there's a whole lot of things that are connected to the ninth commandment. So you can add to lying, you can add things like gossip, slander, uh, twisting people's words, condemning, joining in condemning, and the list goes on. And I just want to kind of summarize all of that by saying, I think God is teaching us there uh, to, be, to be very, very careful with our words. And again, we're, we're asking the question, well, why? Why does God want us to be so careful? And I think what you're going to see throughout this, this, this whole topic tonight is this, that the reason we're to, to be so careful about this is because what, kind of what comes out of here gives a picture so often of, of what's actually going on in here. So the words that come out of our mouth, so often they act as a window into our hearts. And it's exactly what Jesus teaches. If you look at Luke 6, verse 45, Jesus says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And I was thinking about that Last night, just in my Bible reading, I came across Proverbs 5. And there's that well-known verse that says, you know, above all things, guard your heart because everything flows from the heart. And I think it's a similar point that the author of Proverbs is making in Proverbs chapter 12, which we just read from earlier. You know, he's talking about those who, who give false testimony. He's talking about those who, who lie and, and, and who slander And then he makes the point in verse 20, he says, deceit is in the heart of those who do evil. The reason why our words and what we say, the reason why it matters so much to God is because it gives a picture of what lives in our heart. And I think beyond that, it gives a picture of who controls our heart. Biblically speaking, there there are two places that our allegiance can really lie. Right? We, are, we are either following and we are walking in the ways of the devil and the ways of the prince of this world, the one who's referred to in John 8, verse 44, as the father of lies, or we are, we are walking in the way of Jesus Christ. We are following Jesus Christ, the one who's described John 14, 6, the way, 
the truth, and the life. These are the two things. And the one is calling you to live a lie. The other is calling you to walk in the truth. And I think the great lie that, that, that the devil impresses upon us is, this, is this, um, this belief, really, that you'll never be enough. And so we, we end up lying. We end up giving false testimony. We, we twist words. We gossip. And we slander. And we deny our own weaknesses. We deny our own faults. We deny our own flaws. And instead, we try to expose and deflect the flaws and the weaknesses of others. And we try to push others down because deep down inside, we're, we're being tempted to believe that this is going to make us feel better. We're tempted to believe that this is going to make us look better. But the fact is, it's a lie. And if you believe that lie, then you end up being trapped by the father of lies. And what the Bible teaches is that as Christians, as those who have trusted in Jesus Christ, that we are set free from that lie by the truth that is found in Jesus Christ. And we don't, we don't need to, to live a lie. We don't um, need to, to put down others or to gossip or to slander or to twist people's words we don't need to do that because we've discovered the truth that in Jesus Christ we are enough. And I think this is what Jesus is teaching in John 8, 31. Jesus says this, he says, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so I want to ask you just to reflect tonight and to say, what do my words you know, what do they say about what's going on in my heart? Am I someone who is, who, who is kind of living the, this lie where I'm constantly feeling the, the need to put down others or to, or to bear false testimony to kind of make myself look better? Or have I found the freedom that is found in Jesus Christ? That I'm confident in who I am in Jesus Christ. Again, the reason why our words matter so, so much is because we, we, want, we want to give people a picture of the confidence that we have in the truth of Jesus Christ, and we don't want anything to undercut that credibility. I remember it was probably 2015 or so that the automobile maker Volkswagen was, was rocked by a huge scandal. Uh, Volkswagen, if you're, if you're not familiar, a German automobile manufacturer. I guess they probably are made all over the world now. Not an expert in that. But I know that they, they started out in Germany, Volkswagen, auto manufacturer, and they, they really kind of built this brand of reliability, dependability, right? Quality. If you know their slogan, their slogan was Das Auto. Hopefully I'm saying that right. right? But it translates to the car. They're really kind of a bold claim. And they were really building this kind of this brand and they, they were building this, this corporate culture and they were building on its core values. They had seven core values. Here they are. Responsibility, honesty, bravery, diversity, pride, solidarity, and reliability. These are the core values of the company. But in 2015, they were rocked by a scandal which completely undercut those values because they'd been trying to, to, to kind of make their way into the North American market, 
They'd been selling their, their diesel engines, and they'd promoted them as, as these environmentally friendly, low-emission engines. The challenge was that they were lying. Right? The problem was that they had actually somehow worked the software in their, in their cars so that the vehicles were able to pass these particular emissions tests. So they built this entire image, this brand, this reputation, but the scandal absolutely destroyed their image. Their stock price dropped 50% overnight. Everybody bailed out. But I think on some level, the same thing can happen to us as Christians and as a Christian community. Right? Because we're not out there promoting this message that says, you know, Das Auto, the truth. Right? We, or sorry, the car. We're, we're promoting this message called the, the, the truth. And, and we're going out and we're telling people about our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're telling people about how we desire to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going out to people, we're saying, hey, we got this great news for you. This great news that you can be honest about your weaknesses and your flaws and your struggles and your brokenness. You can be honest about who you are because you have confidence in who you are in Jesus Christ. Right? My value, my worth is who I am in Jesus Christ. But if we go out then and, and we start to gossip and slander and twist people's words and give false testimony and, and put other people down and expose their flaws and their weaknesses and their faults, I think what we do is we completely undermine the credibility of that message. And we put the Lord Jesus in a very poor light. And so as Christians, we want to be very, very careful with our words about what we say because we want them to be an expression of our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. But we also want them to be an expression of our love for, for others. And I think that sometimes when we talk about this commandment, we, we strictly focus on the things that we say. But I think there's, there's some merit in talking about the things that we don't say. Pastor Bill this morning was, was quoting from James 1 verse 19, and I think there's a lot of wisdom in that verse, right, where it says that we should be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to become angry. And, and this is the, the point that the catechism is trying to, um, to kind of point to in when it says we shouldn't condemn or, or join in condemning anyone rashly and unheard. And I want to give some thought to that tonight, because we live in a time of um, really snap judgments, right? Where, where people, we, we, we have snap decisions on almost everything. What, what you see a lot of today is, is what might be described as kind of mob mentality, herd mentality. You see it in things like cancel culture, where people are very, very quickly weighed in the court of public opinion. And because of things like uh, media, because of technology, because of uh, the abundance of social media, it seems that almost everyone has the opportunity to be judge, jury, and executioner. And this is not a new phenomenon. Like, I was thinking about the story of, of Paul in Ephesus. Um, this is Acts 19. If you know the story, Paul is there. He's preaching the gospel. And... 
he's telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ, and a lot of people are, are, are accepting this message, and so they're turning away from idolatry and their idol practices. And this obviously has an impact on the merchants of Ephesus. They're not able, um, the silversmiths are, obviously production is kind of going down. And so they incite the city into a riot. Everybody gets very, very upset. And then in Acts 19, verse 32, you have these words. The assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people did not even know why they were there. I love it. It's a, it's, it's a great picture of kind of a mob mentality. And I think we need to remember that it's this kind of mob mentality that Jesus Christ was subjected to. I was thinking of the message again this morning of just how Jesus was taken, in some ways really through this mock trial, pulled in front of the Sanhedrin, right? taken before Pontius Pilate, false testimony you know, kind of leveled against him. And Pilate at the end of the day says, you know, I, 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 I don't know what to tell you, I find no fault in him. But because the mob is just shouting and chanting, crucify him, crucify him, we're told that in the end, Pilate says, well, because of the mob, because of the crowd, he hands Jesus over to be crucified. And the teaching is this, that God does not want us to treat others that way because he doesn't treat us that way. Right? The Bible teaches that, um, that God is slow to anger not treating us as our sins deserve, that God is patient with us, not wishing anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. And we are called as Christians, as followers of Christ, to treat others the, the way that God has treated us. And so I think we need to take time, probably a lot more time than we all do, uh, when we engage with others. You know, a, a practical application of this would be to say that we need to be a lot more prayerful uh, and patient before we respond, before we hit reply, before we hit post. And we need to ask the question, what is, what is my true motivation in this? Am I, am I really saying this because I... I love the people that I'm engaging with. Am I really saying this because my desire here is to see this person repent? And I'm not saying that, you know, the Ninth Commandment prevents um, condemning anything, right? The, the Ninth Commandment is not saying, well, you can never condemn someone's actions or the things that they do. But it is calling us to do so very, very wisely. If we, if we believe the truth, if we simply believe that, that the teaching of the Bible, that this is God's truth, if our conviction is there, that people's salvation is in the balance, that their eternal destiny ultimately is determined by whether or not they are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, then there are times that we are going to have to engage people, and at times we're going to have to condemn some of the things that they do. But we want to do that wisely. We don't want to do that rashly or unheard. Instead, we want to be like Paul calls us, Ephesians 4.15, to speak the truth in love. Those two words which are often forgotten. To speak the truth, but to do so in love. 
And so we really want to wrestle with this question, what's our motivation? What's our motivation in this? I thought about the story of John chapter 8, um, the opening words of John chapter 8, the woman that's caught in adultery, story that you might know, and she is taken by the Pharisees and she is dragged into the public square and man, are they eager to condemn. And you have this woman who's, who's humiliated and she's ashamed and they just, they just, they're so eager, almost finding joy in condemning her. And Jesus has this simple question. He says, well, you know, the one of you that has no sin can cast the first stone. And one by one, they, they all drift away. And then Jesus, the only one who could actually lay claim to being without sin, Jesus says, well, where have they all gone? The woman says, I don't know. And Jesus says, none of them condemned you? And he says, well, then neither do I. Go and sin no more. And I think as we reflect on the ninth commandment tonight, I just, I just really would call all of us, myself included, to think about when we engage with people, are we coming with the approach of the Pharisees, where we're very, very eager to condemn, very, very quick to judge? Or are we showing the patience and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Those are the things that we need to consider. I want to take questions on this topic. I know that are probably going to be a few, so I think my number is up there. Hopefully it's... So you're welcome to text uh, questions in a few moments. I'm going to pray and we'll sing, and then I'll take some questions on the topic tonight. Let me pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the truth that you've given us in your word. And we thank you so much for the way that you've revealed the truth of that word in our Savior, Jesus Christ. We know that you love truth and that you call us to walk in the truth. And the simple fact is that so often we wander from that. So often we are tempted to, to lie, to twist people's words, to gossip and slander. Lord, there's so many ways in which we dishonor the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and the truth of the gospel. And so we pray that you would give us the clarity that we need and the wisdom and the power of your spirit to flee from falsehood, to put off that sin that so easily entangles and the things that hinder, and that you would teach us to focus our eyes on Jesus. Father, we pray that you would create in our hearts a desire to really love the truth, not simply as a rule that we follow, but as the way of freedom. Knowing that in Jesus Christ we, we have been set free from all of these pressures and expectations. And we can walk knowing that we are loved as we are, flawed, broken, weak, but loved because of who we are in Jesus Christ. Help us to embrace that and use that truth to shape and mold our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.